Amen. If you have your Bible, let's turn to Mark chapter 4. And uh, as Rick said, I was talking about righteousness for about, I think, six weeks or so. And then Dr. Savell, then I was gone a week, and then Dr. Savell ministered two weeks in a row. So this is, I haven't ministered in three Sundays. So, wow, it's like, <laughs> so we might be here a while. I'm just kidding. But just, just kidding. Hallelujah. I'm just going to say exactly what, needs to, what the Lord wants me to say today. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, and, and uh, because I, I believe these two subjects go hand in hand, righteousness and authority. Because if you don't understand who you are, you'll never understand the authority that you've been given. And so I want, I want to start here in, in Mark chapter 4, and I want to read just a few verses here, verse, starting verse 35. It says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go to the other side of the lake. And leaving the crowd, they took him with him just as he was in the boat in which he was sitting. And the other boats were with him. Verse 37, and a furious storm of wind arose and the waves kept beating into the boat so that it was already becoming filled. But he himself was in the stern of the boat, asleep on a leather cushion. And they awoke him and they said to him, master, do you not care that we're perishing? Now, get a picture of this. Here, here they're in a, a hurricane storm. And we know, and some, some translations talk about this, that it was demonic. It was something that just came out of nowhere. It was something to hinder them from going from one side to the other. And I don't have time to talk about on what was hind- why they were being hindered from going over there. But it had to do with setting someone else free. And so here we know that this was not just a natural storm, but this was a spiritual attack. This was a spiritual battle, so to speak, to keep them from fulfilling and doing what God had called them to to fulfill. Right. And so so you have to understand whatever battle that you might be in, realize it isn't just to give you a bad day, but it's meant to destroy your life. And so in verse 38 to 39 says, and he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush now, be still. And the wind ceased and sank and rest as if exhausted by its beating. And there was immediately a great calm, a perfect peacefulness. And he said to them, why are you so timid and fearful? How is it that you have no faith, no firmly relying trust? It says, and they were filled with great awe and feared exceedingly and said one to another, who then is this that even the wind... And the sea obey him. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. And we approach it with, with the most humility that we can to receive everything that you want for us this morning. We thank you that we will grow because of the word this morning. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to key on this one statement that the disciples made. Who then is this that even the winds and the sea Obey, obey him. Who then is this? You know, oftentimes when we read scripture, I think we see things too often from a wrong perspective. Oftentimes when I read this story, I focus on the disciples. And I see myself as a disciple. But up until recently... The Lord said, I want you to start seeing yourself as Jesus in the story and stop seeing yourself as the disciples. Because we like we like to relate with the fear. We like to relate to don't you care that we're perishing? But he tells them, why are you so fearful? Why is it that you have no faith that let me know that Jesus was looking at them and saying, you should have done what I did. And so too often we view ourselves from a low-level humanity instead of seeing ourselves how Christ sees us. See, Christ saw something in them that they didn't see in themselves. Christ saw them having the ability to quiet the storm, but yet they were more living and operating out of fear. But the the disciples said, who then is this that even the winds and the sea Obey him. Let me ask you a question. Who are you? Who are you? And this is where righteousness comes together. Remember in Romans chapter 1 it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew first and also the Greek. Because therein 
Therein what? Therein the gospel. What is therein is righteousness. Meaning when you receive the gospel, you are receiving righteousness. Second Corinthians chapter five. He who knew no sin was made sin. So what, that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You need to know that you are the righteousness of God. That's who you are. The word righteousness, righteousness means to be exactly what you're supposed to be. So when Jesus came and he made you righteous, he made you exactly what you ought to be. Meaning you're not missing anything. You're not lacking anything. You are exactly what you need to be. But if we always see ourselves from the disciples position, we'll always see ourselves waiting for, waiting for someone else or waiting for something else instead of being the one that's calming the storm. You see, we are in a society where we as believers need to be storm calmers. We need to be body healers. We need to be, we need to be, uh, uh, prison chain breakers. We, 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 we need to be the ones. Why? Because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's who I am. And so what we're going to be discussing over, over the coming weeks is authority. The power to influence. Say that with me. Authority. Authority. The power to influence. influence. You see, this is what, as believers, we were always created to be. In the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, God created Adam and Eve, right? And what did he give them? Give them dominion and gave them authority. Gave them dominion and authority. You were created to rule and you were created to reign. Let's go to Romans chapter 5 real quick. I'm not going to go back and review some of the things that Dr. Svell covered the last two weeks, but I do want to bring out this one scripture. Romans chapter 5 verse 17 says, For if by one man's offenses death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. See, we're as the righteous, I'm called to reign, right? As, as you being righteous, you are called to reign. You are called to rule. Dr. Savelle said kingly authority. You see, you were made righteous. And when you were made righteous, you were made to have kingly authority. You are a person. You are a man and a woman of God that has been given authority. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. And expand our thinking this morning with who we are. Expand our thinking with with who we are in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1. Thank you, Father. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, you can say, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Christ Jesus. Get get a hold of this. You have already been blessed. You have already been blessed. Not someday, not one day. You have already been blessed. Verse four, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. The good pleasure, good pleasure of his will is that we would be adopted and called children of God. Hallelujah. You are, you are a son and you are a daughter of God. So when, that, when the disciples asked that question to Jesus, who then is this that even the winds and sea obey him? What was Christ? I am righteous. I am a son of God. I am I am a child of God. I have been sent by God. See, Jesus knew two things. He knew his identity and he knew where he was going. See, Jesus could get up from his... See, he was resting in the back of the the boat because he knew who he was and he knew where he was going. See, most of the time, it's hard for us to come to a place of resting in faith because of two things. We don't know who we are and we don't know where we're going. You know, the two greatest needs that humanity has, they want to know who they are and what they're called to do. 
So if we can really understand what we've already been given as believers, it would take us and carry us to our destiny. See, if you understood that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you are already perfect in Christ Jesus, (laughs) and you knew what you were called to do, nothing could stop you. Nothing could keep you from the other side in your life. The storm that you're facing right now cannot defeat you. Why? Because you know who you are and you know where you're going. See, gee, who is, who is this? Who are you? You are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You are adopted as children of God. Amen. Let's keep reading in Ephesians chapter 1. Let's go to verse 17. And this, out of the, this is out of the Apostle Paul's prayer. Verse 16, this 16 says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So what is he praying about? Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So what is Paul's prayer? So Ethan, he's saying, saying, Ethan, I want your eyes to be open." I want your understanding to be open. I want, uh, you want you to have wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So here, here the church of Ephesus is already born again, right? They've already made Jesus the Lord of your life. Now Paul's saying, I want you now to know who you are. I want you to discover what you're all about. I want you to discover who you are and what you're called to do. The eyes of your understanding being opened. And that's my prayer for, for all of us in this place and those by, watching by way of internet, that the eyes of our understanding, that our spiritual eyesight would be opened up so we could actually see not who we've always been, not who we used to be, but who God has called us to be right now. Not in heaven, not one day in the future, but right now. See, we, we too often put off things in the future. Well, one day or someday, one day, you know, I'm going to step into that calling. One day, you know, I'm, I'm going to be righteous. One day, you know, I'm going to be whole. No, you are right now. You are right now. When you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you were just as righteous as you'll ever be. Paul says, I want your eyes open. I want your understanding open. And then he t- verse 18 says, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you might know. So here he's praying that their eyes will be open, but there's a purpose behind it. I want you to know something. Meaning, I want you to be intimately acquainted with this. I want you to have a face-to-face encounter with the reality of who you're called to be and what you're called to do. See, when he says, I know, I want you to have this revelation, not to where it's an idea, is not thinking up here, but it's something that all of a sudden you know that 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 you know. And he tells them three things that they want them to know. That you would know, intimately acquainted with what is the hope of his calling. And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? According to the working of his mighty power. So three things Paul's saying. I'm praying that you know and you're intimately acquainted with these three things. The hope of his calling. The inheritance that you've been given. And the exceeding greatness of his power. Paul says you need to know this. Know what you're called to do. Know the calling upon your life. Know what you've been given, the inheritance. You know what your inheritance is? You've been made righteous. You, you are now royalty. Your inheritance is that you are, you are part of the family. Your inheritance, everything that's within the kingdom of God is yours. According to Luke chapter 12, how, how good, it, how was it... Um, the pleasure, what, what good pleasure it is for the, the father to give the kingdom yes. to his children. Hallelujah. Then inherit everything that you would have need of. Paul says, I want you to know that your eyes would be open. Not that, not that you would obtain it, but you need to know it. Get a revelation of it. 
man, you, we are, you are so much more than you ever thought you could be. But we're limited by our thinking. And not getting revelation of who we are. You everything that you, if you could if you could know what God knows about you, you would not live in one day of defeat any longer. You would not hang your head one more day. I don't care how many mistakes you've made in the past. If you knew what God sees when He sees you, He sees your destiny. He sees your future. While you were in your mother's womb, he, he called you to something. He called you to something great. But Paul said, you just need to know who it is. You see, the disciples were, had to go get Jesus because they didn't know these three things. They didn't know that they were called. They didn't know they had inheritance. And they didn't know the exceeding greatness of his power. Authority. You see, when you know that you're righteous, then you can know and operate in authority. If you don't know who you are in God, you always be limited in your ability to walk in authority. See, there's people out there that try to operate in authority, but they don't know the righteous. And therefore, they scream at the devil all day long. But nothing happens. Why? Because they don't know who they are. Having authority isn't screaming at the devil. Now, there may be times that you need to get loud and make statements of faith. But it's not begging the devil to stop. No, it's taking your position and you decreeing what God said to decree. Knowing who you are. Thank you, Father. Man, so this, this, this hope, this inheritance, and this power. Verse 20 says, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Now get this, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So Paul's saying, I want you to know this. That this took place when Jesus sat down. Over all principality, power. All principality, all power, all dominion. We have authority in this world. Jesus has given us this position. And if we keep on reading, it says, and we are seated with him. And you hath he quickened. And you hath he made alive. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm just seeing if I need to keep reading or we'll come back to this maybe that part next week. Hallelujah. I get that. Verse 22. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. To the church. To the church. To the church. See, man didn't start the church. God started the church. Jesus is the head of it. And so this fullness and had put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Which is his body. Which the church, which is his body, 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 the fullness of him that fills all in all. Verse 23 in the Amplified says, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. For in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. So if, if everything is under Jesus' feet and we are in him, then that means everything is under our feet. But see, if you don't know who you are, then you don't understand what's under your feet. If you don't know that you are righteous and you were made a believer and made a Christian and made part of his body, then you don't understand that you have authority. So you need to understand that when you came into Jesus, you don't lack anything to rule and reign in this earth. 
Let's go to Colossians. There's a lot of different directions that we, we may go with this series, but just laying a foundation with this power to influence. And having authority is not about dominating situations. It's not about dominating people. It's nothing about domination. It's about influencing. And we'll get to that here in just a minute. Colossians chapter 2. Actually, let's look at Colossians 1, verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So this mystery is what Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Chapter 2. For I would that you knew what a great conflict I have for you. Now, the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse. We put that there more for reference. But so this is all in context. He's telling them Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And he tells us that Christ is in you so that you can present all men perfect in Christ Jesus. I mean, there's a reason Christ is in you. It's not just so you can say, I'm saved. No, Christ is in you. The anointing is in you so you can bring change to someone else's life. And then he talks about this works in you mightily. Now, chapter 2 says, for I would that you would have that what a great conflict I have for you. Now, this word conflict really is better translated care. So Paul's saying, I would that you knew how much I care for you. I want you to know how much I care for you. And for them at Laodicea and for as many as not seen my face in the flesh. Meaning, I care for you. I want you to get a hold of this, Tommy. I want you to get a hold of this because, because I care for you. I love the Laodiceans. I love you. And I love all those that I haven't yet to see or they've seen me. Verse 2, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father of Christ. So this mystery again about Christ. Verse 3, in whom, in Christ, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Meaning everything I need to know and everything I need is found in him. Verse 4, and this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I'm with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order, that in the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him. So what's happening here? Paul's saying, I care for you. But you know what? There's people coming to you and telling you that you're not what I told you you are. There's people coming to you to tell you and trying to beguile you and telling you that you're not righteous. That you're not set apart. That God hasn't called you. That you still need to do all these other things to be loved by God. And he says, as you therefore receive Christ Jesus, so ye walk in him. Meaning, don't stop your walk. You continue pursuing me. Verse verse 7, rooted and built up in him, in Christ, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therewith with thanksgiving. Verse 8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments or elements of this world and not after Christ. Meaning, don't let people talk you out of who you are. That's right. Come on. Don't let people talk you out of who you are. Don't let yourself talk you out of who you are. Verse 9, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. See, get to know this mystery because everything about this mystery about Christ being in you, the fullness is there. When you're full, you know what? You're not lacking anything. And then verse 10 says, and you are complete in him. See, that's sometimes hard for us to believe because we still judge ourselves by who we used to be. 
what we've always done. We judge ourselves by our human thoughts. But what does God call us? See, we need to know who we are. Know what we're called to do. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. See, you're complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. See, when you know who you are, then you understand that you are above. Amen. Not better than. You're not better than someone else in this world, but you're above the principalities, the power, the rulers of darkness. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4. Who are you? You are righteous and you are complete in him. And when you understand Christ is in you, then you understand that you were above all principality. You have been given authority. Second Corinthians, actually, let's start in chapter 3. Verse 16. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, their veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. So what does Paul pray? Paul prays that their eyes would be opened, right? To know who they are. Now he's talking and he's relating to the Gentiles and the Jews. And he says the gospel is being preached. And anytime the gospel is being preached, the Jews have a veil over their eyes that they can't see the truth of the gospel. That, that the enemy is blinding them. Well, how are they blinded? Because of tradition. That's good. Yeah. They're blinded by tradition because what they learned and what they heard and the things that, and the, things that the enemy has tried to tell them about that Christ wasn't the Messiah. Even though there's hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament that declare that Jesus would fulfill things. Down to details, where he was born, things that he would do, things that he would say. But yet they still don't, when the gospel being read, they can't see it because there's a veil over their eyes. And see, the enemy wants you and I, the world, to have a veil over their eyes to keep them from seeing who they really are. It's almost like, I don't mind that, that they hear about Christ, I just don't want them to know who they are. Because when they know who they are, then they understand they're born to influence. When they understand who they are, then they understand they're born for power. They're born for authority. So let me just keep them blinded to, to who they've been instead of ever approaching and understanding who they really are. Verse 17, now the Lord is that spirit and where the, Lord, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of God. Meaning we see, see, as you look at him, what happens? As you look at Christ, you become like Christ. As you look at the word and you see what the word says about you, you become what the word says about you. But too often we mirror ourselves based on our sins or our failures instead of seeing ourselves the way Christ sees us. And as long as you see yourself the way you've always been, to continue to be like the old image. But he says, continually beholding the face of Jesus. Now let's look at uh, chapter 4. Therefore seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy. Now this word ministry means following the commands of another. So all the stuff he just shared with them, he says, therefore seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. Seeing we have this command, we have received mercy, we faint not. The word receive mercy there, that phrase means we've been given aid. We've been given aid. Therefore, seeing we've been, we've been commanded to do something, we've been given aid and we faint not. Then he goes on here in verse 2, it says, But we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Verse 3, but if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world 
has blinded the minds of them that believe not. So the God of this world has blinded their minds, right? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image, should shine unto them. See, the enemy wants to blind you to keep you from seeing who you are. Verse 5, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servant's sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give light to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but we're not despaired. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. Now, now, why did I read this? Because I want you to understand Paul was out to fulfill his ministry. And he said, I've been given aid. We've received mercy. Because of God's love, I've been given aid and I faint not. How could he say, I faint not? See, you and I need to understand how he could say, I faint not. Because see, and as we go through life, we're going to be challenged to faint. We're going to be challenged to give up. We're going to be challenged to throw in the towel. We're going to be challenged to go backwards. But what Paul says, says, hey, I've got a ministry and I'm called to something. You know what? We've been given aid. And because I've been given aid, I faint not. So what I want us to understand, what is this aid that we've been given? Paul tells us this aid and he, and he tells us in verse 6, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. What is Paul referring to here? He's referring to Genesis chapter 1 when darkness was upon the face of the deep and the earth was chaotic, right? Earth was chaotic. And what did God say? God said, light be. God said, light be. See, when God said, light be, chaos stopped. The earth was without form or void. See, the earth no longer became void when God said, light be. So Paul realizes, I have this treasure in this earth, earthen vessel. Verse 6 again, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. I mean, the same thing that created the heavens and the earth, the same thing that took a chaotic state and make it, make it normal, the thing that made something that was void but all of a sudden gave it purpose, that same thing dwells on the inside of me. That same thing lives on the inside of me. To give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. But we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. Meaning that same treasure that created the universe, that same treasure lives on the inside of me. See, when you understand that Christ is on the inside of you, then you understand the same thing that perfected things in the beginning is the same thing that will perfect you in your life right now. See, but we limit ourselves because we see ourselves more from a disciple standpoint instead of seeing ourselves from Christ's standpoint. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. This power isn't about you. It's not, it's not your power, but it's the oper- authority that he allows us to operate in. For we're troubled on every side, but yet not distressed. How he could he say, I'm troubled, but I'm not distressed? Why? Because he understood who was in him. Amen. He understood that he had power over every principality. Power. He had authority. How could he say we're perplexed but not despair? Because he understood who was in him. How could he say, you know, I'm persecuted but I'm not forsaken? Because he understood who was in him. How could he say I'm cast down but I'm not destroyed? Because he understood who was in him. How could Jesus get up and say, peace be still? Because he understood who he was and what he was called to do. Verse 10 it says, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean, always bearing about? It's not talking about that I'm going to die like Jesus did. It's, it's I choose to reflect on that he died for me. That's right. I, choose that, I choose to always bearing, meaning I always focus on the body, the, the, body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Meaning I'm not looking to my own power. I'm not looking to my own body. What I do is I look at the dying of my Jesus' body. 
And when I focus on the dying of my Jesus, then what happens is the life of Jesus manifests in my body. Do you, do you see this? I know this is a little deep this morning. I know it's a little, little deep, in, 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 but we need to understand as he was focusing, as they would focus on the buying, dying of the body of Jesus, that would say the life of Jesus would manifest in my body. Verse 11, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. What? So that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Meaning that, that hey, he's going to manifest in my body. He's going to manifest in this church body. And he's going to manifest in my mortal body. As I understand his dying. Hallelujah. So then, death works in us, but life in you. We have the same spirit of faith. According as written, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe, therefore we speak. So when Jesus stood up and said, peace be still, is because he believed who he was and where he was called to go. I believed. There is not, not, I had an idea. I had a thought. No, I have believed. Therefore have I spoken. See, when you believe and you know you're the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, then you can walk above all principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. And it doesn't matter if you're surrounded because you realize who's in you. It means you're not forsaken. When you're, you might be in despair, but it means that, hey, you know what? I'm not cast down. Why? Because I know as I focus on him, his life is going to invade my life. His victory is going to be my victory. Go to Luke chapter 10 and I'll close with this. So when the disciples said, who then is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Let me ask you, who are you? It's not about having the power to calm a wind or calm a storm. But it's knowing who you are. Knowing what you're called to do, where you're called to go. Because when you are convinced that you are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter what storm come against you. You have the authority over every principality and power. Luke chapter 10. I want to close with this. Hallelujah. Let's look at verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Even the devils are subject. Even the devils are subject to us through your name. And he said to them, "I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power." Now, now get this. This was before Jesus died for us. Behold, I give you power. So here, the, the seventy were excited because they were like, "Man, even the demons are subject to us." And so what is Jesus? He didn't really answer their statement right there. He goes, I beheld Satan and as far as lightning. I mean, he's defeated. He was defeated then and he is defeated now. Stop giving the enemy power in your life. Stop making your sickness more powerful than God's healing. Behold, I beheld Satan fall as lightning. Meaning, why are you surprised? He's already been kicked out of heaven. And this was even before Jesus took the keys. This was before he spoiled principalities and powers out of the lower parts of the earth. I beheld Satan fall as lightning. Behold, I give you power. I give you authority to tread on serpents, scorpions, over all the power of the enemy. All the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. I give you power. I give you authority over the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Verse 20. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. 
Amplified says, nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are enrolled in heaven. Now, what, what did Paul... See, I've heard religion teach the scripture. We, we don't need to worry about those other things. You know, you need to be more proud that your name's written in heaven. That did not... That did not discount everything Jesus said. Jesus said, I give you all power and all authority. Meaning, meaning what he's saying is, don't rejoice in the manifestation. Meaning, don't place your faith waiting for a manifestation. Because your man, the manifestation is birth knowing who, in who you are. Knowing who you are. See, don't rejoice in the fact that the demons are subject to you. Rejoice knowing that your name is written in heaven. I mean, what I need to rejoice about is, hey, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the king, and my name is written in heaven. And because my name is written in heaven, I have all power and all authority. I'm not excited because the demon subbed you. I'm excited because I am righteous, and I have the power to tell the demon to shut up and get out. I have the power to speak to sickness, and it has to be healed. I have the power to speak to demon possession, and it has to go out. So, So it's not rejoicing in the manifestations. It's rejoicing in knowing what you have a right. Right to. See, we, we need to get more excited and get a revelation of who we are instead of getting in, waiting for a manifestation. Let's get a hold of who we are, then we'll see manifestation. Let's get a hold of what we have the power and the right to do, then we'll see manifestation. See, Jesus was, hey, they were excited. Even the demons are subject to us. They were happy. And, and, and Jesus wasn't discounting that. He was just saying, but I want you to rejoice. Knowing that your names are written in heaven. Because of that your names are written in heaven. This is what's given you right to release my name. Oh, Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your power and your presence that you've given to us as children of God. I thank you that our eyes of our understanding is enlightened. Hallelujah. We know the hope of our calling. And we know the exceeding greatness Hallelujah of his power. Thank you that the greater one is working on the inside of us. Thank you, Father, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We come behind in no gift. We're lacking nothing. We are complete in Christ Jesus. You are complete in him. You are complete in him. Say that with me. I am complete in Christ Jesus. Now, 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 look at me. In the natural, that can make our head kind of tilt. Uh, you are complete. Well, you, well, Pastor Justin, I still don't feel. It doesn't matter if you feel forgiven. It doesn't matter if you feel righteous. It doesn't matter if you feel holy. It, it, you have to know that you're righteous. You see, when I came to Texas and the Lord told me in January 23rd of 1990, uh, 1999 and told me to come to Texas and I would be here a majority of the rest of my life. I knew that happened to me. No one can take that away from I know what the Lord said. I know what I felt that day, and I know what I heard that day. So how I've had to walk out the last 17 years is anytime I go through difficult times or difficult things, I go back to what did God say? Because, see, I know that I know that I know that I'm in the right position. I know that I know that I know that I'm in the right place. I know that I know that I'm in the right state. I'm supposed to be in Texas. So because I know, so, so we have to get the same way about how we know that who we are in Christ. Because it's out of what you know that you are gives you confidence to walk in the authority that you've been given. So you know, when you know that you heard God's voice about something and God told you to declare something then nothing should hold you back from that. Why? Because you know that you heard his voice. And then you can release. I believe, therefore have I spoken. We believe, therefore we, when you know, when you know, when you know, you need to know that you're saved. You need to know that you're righteous. You need to know that you're loved by God. Hallelujah. See, Jesus, when he said, peace be still. He was operating in his authority. And like I said, don't get the idea that this power that I've been given is to dominate people. It's not. It's to influence people. 
And I'll leave you this definition. What is the definition of influence? The Lord gave me this definition a number of years ago. And he said this. It's the power and the authority to affect, alter, or change something. So when you have power to influence, what am I saying? You have the power to alter things around you. Jesus had the ability to alter the storm around the disciples. You have the ability to alter an an environment of anger. You have the ability to alter the atmosphere of the presence wherever you are. Why? Because of who you are. You are a Christian. You are righteous. I'm just what he, what I ought to be. And because I'm just what I ought to be, I have authority to live and operate in authority. To alter and influence the world around me. We were created to influence. But it starts with knowing who you are and you're righteous. Father, we thank you for your word, this word today. And I thank you, Father, that it causes us to grow. It causes us to be strengthened. It causes us to step into greater things. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you for this word, Father, birthing something on the inside of us. This word birthing a a greater expectancy. This word birthing our, our identity, that we would not have an identity crisis. Hallelujah. But, Father, we would be possessed by this Christ-centered identity. That we are Christ inside-minded. That we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That we are complete in every way, Father. In Jesus' name. Everyone stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Everyone bow your head just for a moment. If you're here this morning... And you don't understand your identity. And you don't know that your identity is in Christ Jesus. And you didn't even realize maybe you've been saved and, or you've been born again, so to speak. And you made Jesus the Lord of your life, but never understood the aspect that you are a child of God. Maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Or maybe you've been born again for years, but you, but you know today is a time that you need to repent. And repent isn't just begging God for forgiveness. Repenting is, I'm going to choose to go a different direction. So whether, whether you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life or, or you want to have an, an encounter with this new identity, this identity of being in Christ, so you can understand this authority, just slip your hand up right where you are. Just slip your hand up right where you are. Hallelujah. Don't want to assume everyone here is ready to meet Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Father's desire is that every person in this house knows who they are, what they're called to do, and understand that they have the ability to get it done through Jesus. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Father. Just start, just start thanking Him for your identity in Him. Thank you that you are righteous. Oh, just start thanking Him. Start rejoicing in the salvation that you've been given. Hallelujah. Paul said there in, in, in Colossians that, that, that it would overflow with thanksgiving. Hallelujah. That it would overflow with thanksgiving. That we would be rooted and grounded in this. That we would established in this. Father, that we'd be established in this identity. That we would be established. That we'd be firmly planted in this identity in Christ Jesus. We're thankful for this identity. We're thankful that we're not lacking anything. We're thankful, Father. Hallelujah. That our greatest days are ahead of... We're thankful that you've seated us in heavenly places. We're thankful that we're above and not beneath. We're thankful, Father, that that we're blessed coming in and we're blessed going going out. We're thankful that we're the head and we're not the tail. We're thankful, Father. Hallelujah, that you've given us all might and all power. And we're thankful, Father, that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah, and because of that, we have been given all the power and all authority, Father. We thank you for it this morning. And we rejoice in this position that we've been given. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. You receive that this morning? Give him a shout of praise. He received this word today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah.
if I still keep going in the direction of saying, well, I'm going to talk about the, the, the power that we have in the name of Jesus next week. Hallelujah. 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 Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I declare as you leave here today that this week you will influence someone else's life. I declare that God's going to set up divine appointments this week for you to impact someone with what you just heard. And I declare some of you are going to come up in the calling upon your life and some of you are going to step out into things that you never thought you'd step out in. And as you step out in them, I prophesy and declare that you're going to see God use you in a mighty way. And I declare that we're going to receive testimonies of miracles that are happening at your hands. Hallelujah. That people, that you're going to receive words of wisdom. I declare you're going to receive words of knowledge that are going to impact people's lives. There's people that are going to be saved as the God tells you to give them your testimony. As As you release, as you're obedient to release what God tells you to release, you're going to be used by God and it's going to impact them right where they are. Hallelujah. The word says, I feel the Lord, the Lord says, I have set apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, hallelujah, for the perfecting of the body, for them to do the work of the ministry. So I hear the Lord say right now, you're released. Go do the work of the ministry in Jesus name. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. Woo. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You have anything? Hallelujah. Oh, you're dismissed. Go and do.